0: Welcome
1: to Dear Bianca.
0: Dear Bianca. Dear Iris.
1: I go to my notes, my journal about you.
0: (laughs) Mrs. Bianca Daly. Mrs. (gasps) Bianca Daly.
1: Do you think I'm manifesting to be Mrs. Bianca Daly? Um, I hope. Okay, I can do that. I can make that happen, I think. Um, All
0: right, Iris, welcome to Dear Bianca. Thank you. Um, It's just hitting me that it's starting, so I'm excited to be here. Me too. I really respect your platform that you've built, and I'm like honored that you chose me to talk about so many things that are really important to me. Like Everything that you're interested to talk about are literally so in line with everything that I would want to share about.
1: We chose each other. True. All right, so this is my first time recording and filming in la
0: right
1: i literally flew out for you thank you (laughs) this moment specifically feels very unique and special to what Mm. i'm typically used to of being in my own environment Mm. and i mean where we're recording right now it's a neutral space for both you and i Mm, which in a sense is kind of nice Mm. because if we were to film at your apartment for example i feel like that, yeah it'd bring a different energy
0: Totally. well wait congratulations on what? It's like a big step. <laughs> you're traveling you. your Thank podcast. You. That's so cool. And yeah. you're staying at such a beautiful hotel. This is the nicest hotel I've ever stepped into. How long have you been living in LA? <laughs> um, That's a, such a good question.
1: You have no For flip. me to
0: ask myself. Over five years, almost six years. What brought you to LA? Well, I'm from Idaho, so I wanted to get out of Idaho for one. I always knew music was what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know it would like come in the form of social media or how my journey is going. And I also wanted to get into healing of some sort. At first it was like neurosurgeon, but yeah, my path has like forged itself, but I moved out here initially for everything I am doing now. How was Idaho? Um, good question. (laughs) (laughs) Idaho is interesting. I think truly like leaving Idaho and like my experience in Idaho was very defined by who I was in Idaho, like who I showed up as there. I was like a very depressed, angry, bitter version of myself there. I just wasn't me. I wasn't aligned. I hadn't started my journey. I hadn't started anything. It was very lost and I was in very toxic environments constantly. When I moved, I decided to let everything go and reinvent myself myself. And I just basically felt freedom within finding who I really am outside of all the trauma that I was going through in Idaho. So I was kind of running from that version of myself, and I didn't even realize. I used to think that I hated Idaho and that Idaho doesn't get me. I just don't belong there. But really, I think it was just I didn't like who I was there.
1: Is most of your family still in Idaho? Yes. And you're a lot right here of them. solo?
0: Yes. I moved by myself when I was 19. Holy shit.
1: What did you do for work? Like, what did that look like? Because, listen, I wanted to fucking leave my house when I was, like, 17, right? But Mm -hmm. then I realized, where am I going?
0: Yeah. How am I even going to support myself? Yeah. So (laughs) what did you do? Um, I worked three jobs in Idaho for almost a year to move to L.A. and have, like, enough. And after doing all that, I really only saved up, like, I think it was either five grand or ten grand. So that supported me for the first few months to find a job. And then I was a waitress at this little cafe. I wasn't even a waitress. I just made coffee. That's cute. Made coffee at this little cafe, Crave Cafe. I feel like everyone in LA knows that cafe. What's it called? Crave. It used to be open 24 hours. It was like the place that people Mm. would go when, you know, the clubs were closed or bars closed. People would go to Crave. So I met a lot of people um, and I worked there for a year, but I would work through the night. Like I'd work the graveyard shift. It was an interesting life. And. This was, like, right around the time I was having my spiritual awakening. Like, I did acid for the first time, and all these things were happening. Did you do acid
1: at the coffee place? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, No, but I think I microdosed at some point there. Yeah, it was a really transformative time of my life where I was just trying to find myself. And, I mean, I don't think you ever, like, find yourself, but you find your center. Mm. You find who your soul wants to be. And I think that took me up until this past year, really, to find that version of me. So at this point, you feel like you found your soul. Yeah. I love that for you. Thank you. I feel like finding my soul is really just aligning with the energy of love, learning to live through love and not fear. So learning to live free of all my trauma responses that created a version of me that I wasn't proud to be a bitter version of me or an angry person or just the version of me that was deeply hurting and didn't know how to deal with any of that and projected it onto everyone and everything. So after all that, finding my soul really actually feels like just finding who I was all along beneath everything. That's really beautiful. Thank
1: you. And I know I told this to you when we were on the phone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I hear you speak and I come across your videos or just the topics that you speak about. I feel like I'm so connected to you because it's truly like the thoughts and emotions that are happening inside of me Mm. that I don't verbalize on social Mm. media like you do, but you're speaking my thoughts and my emotions. Mm. So to hear that, not only do I think it's incredibly beautiful that you've reached that point, but at the same time I can also relate and When someone goes through something very deep Mm. and personal Mm. and you have the ability to really find yourself after everything that you've Mm. been through, Mm. that's a connection Mm. that doesn't come often. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've said this a hundred thousand times on this podcast, but Mm. I genuinely feel like a lot of people live on the surface of life. Mm Yes. Yes. And either they're too scared to go deep into themselves, so they never do, or mm-hmm. like the thought doesn't even come into their minds yes. of how to do that yes. or like where to begin. Yes, And so finding people that you can relate to yes. feels really special.
0: Mm. Thank you for saying that, first of all. too, I agree so hard. I agree with every single thing you just said. The part especially is like I really feel like trauma is a gift in that way going through so much trauma can be such a gift because it rips you open to experiencing everything so deeply so i've noticed that i don't want to say like i don't like people who haven't gone through a lot but people who haven't just like been through an egregious disgusting amount of trauma (laughs) i'm like i don't know how to relate to you Mm -hmm. i don't know how to relate to you but i do think there is like a common shared frequency of humans that have been through a lot And whether they've even healed or not, I feel like people that have experienced extreme amounts of pain in different ways, there is like a common understanding between people, like an immediate connection where it's like my pain sees yours and my light sees yours. And I feel like that's something that's right here.
1: I completely agree because... When you're younger, before you start to recognize the storyline of your life, Mm. like where you're just living and you're Mm -hmm. a child and you're having Mm -hmm. fun, you have friends in elementary school and middle school and all of that, Mm. but you don't have the mental or emotional capacity Mm. or understanding at Mm -hmm. that time to really identify if you are compatible with your friends. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older, and especially as you're going Mm -hmm. through something traumatic, Mm -hmm. you realize, everyone else seems like they have it fucking easy. Mm -hmm. Or for me specifically, I would hang out with friends as I was going through my healing process. Mm -hmm. And although I would try to be open with them and confide in them, Mm -hmm. there's no fucking way they were able to relate to me. Yeah, There's
0: like a lack of empathy.
1: Like when I'm speaking, they can't relate to anything Mm -hmm. that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And so I hate to say it, but it's like empty words. Mm -hmm. That's how it feels. Yes.
0: That makes sense.
1: So There was one version of you in Idaho. Mm -hmm. There's another version of you here in LA. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about that traumatic storyline that you had in Idaho that brought you to rock bottom? Mm -hmm. Like, was there a specific Mm -hmm. scenario?
0: I don't know if it was any one circumstance. It was really a lot compiled together. I grew up in a household of nine people. Nine people? Yes, I have five siblings and then my parents and then the person who raised me. The person that raised me while my parents were working to support literally nine mouths, that person was extremely abusive. I grew up in an extremely abusive household where my parents were gone 24 7. They were just doing their best. Like, they were literally doing their best. Like, there's no fault or no blame on anyone here. And I don't want my parents to hear this and feel bad. I love them so much. But it just was a difficult experience being a child and not having that. And also being in a situation of getting abused every day as a child and not really understanding what was happening. All my siblings left, like I have a brother who's 40 and I'm 24, so the age difference is really extreme. They were all out of the house by the time I was 10. Sorry to cut you off, but everyone was out of the house when you were 10. Yeah, by
1: the time I was 10. So you were there basically as an only child. Yes,
0: pretty much, yes. So I'm an only child with the abuser and This person's so sick, just mentally sick, like deluded, just not mentally here. And my parents weren't around, obviously, to see it. So, yeah, I was just raised by someone crazy who would abuse me in very strange ways. And she finally left my life around 10. She moved back to Asia. And I mean, it's not like my parents came back in the picture. It's more like they just continued being absent parents because they were working but i was old enough to like not be babysat how old were you at this point i'm 10 11 ish so when you're a child and you're going through child abuse you don't understand that it's abuse you don't understand Mm -hmm. that anything's wrong like you internalize everything when a child goes through anything really like inner child trauma especially is like so much blame to the self because your child can't conceptualize the world they don't know what's happening they can't conceptualize like oh this is a sick person totally like this isn't real I would literally go to bed every single night of my childhood thinking I was going to die or I was going to be framed for murder she was just crazy so crazy I just grew up in this very strange mindset but it always kept me very aware being a child that was going through a lot of pain I felt very separate from my classmates she would get into my head and I wasn't allowed to have friends or anything and things like that um And then when she left my life, I was still kind of by myself in this environment of absent parents. And I mean, they're not horrible. They were just emotionally unavailable. So especially my mom, she's very emotionally unavailable to me as a product of being emotionally unavailable to herself, which breaks my heart in and of itself. So again, there's no blame on my parents. I love them. But this is just like the way it affected me. Then I'm going through middle school trying to figure out life outside of the abuser so like once your abuser leaves your life they're so like they have told you every moment of your entire life how to think and they've controlled your mind for so long my brain was trying to conceptualize how to be a human and she was really spiritual as well so this person was like a catholic nun at one point and abused me with spirituality which is really a strange detail I was very turned off to spirituality and all of those things because of that. And then finding spirituality within my own right later was a whole journey. And then at 12, I went through sexual assault, which I've actually never told anyone. I mean, I've told people. I've never told my platform. I've talked about having sexual trauma, but never talked about like what it is or anything. But I want to be open. I'm here to connect with you and be open. And I'm honored to just be sitting here. You keep saying you're honored,
1: but I truly am Mm. because it's conversations like this that forget about the fucking Mm podcast I don't care about the podcast Mm -hmm. we could be here without mics right now and Mm -hmm. I would still feel the same way Mm -hmm. um I really appreciate you being open and and it means the world that you feel safe to share
0: I literally do feel safe I feel like that is like a huge reason why I feel like it's all been within divine timing and even this podcast has been delayed by months and like weird things have happened and as of the last few months I've come into this position where I feel ready to. So it's just crazy. Like the timing is very interesting. So I feel really safe and the timing's very yeah perfect
1: to me. Nothing is a coincidence.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: So when things don't work out and when they don't happen to me, it's just not meant to be right now mm-hmm. and trusting mm-hmm. the universe, trusting the journey of mm-hmm. what's in store for you mm-hmm. and what's meant to be, will be like, I'm just mm-hmm. the biggest believer of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch on a few things Mm -hmm. that you brought up. The first one is to me, I think a lot of people have these questions and I transparently have this question myself. If you were consistently going through trauma Mm -hmm. with who was raising you Mm -hmm. and you would Mm -hmm. go to bed at night with Mm -hmm. significant thoughts Mm -hmm. and like detrimental thoughts, right, Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. a child to be going through, Mm -hmm. although your parents were absent a lot of the time, did you ever tell them what was going on and if not why
0: no I didn't think it was weird I didn't think it was off I just thought like it was a thing and like I remember if I ever cried around a time my parent would be around my would be like wash your face don't let them see you cry it was very strange and I don't remember a lot I just know that the first time I realized that it was weird that her behavior was weird was my brother skipped school that day, so he was home. Because I'm young, like I'm pre-going to school at this age. Mm-hmm. I might have been like four or five. And so my didn't know that my brother was home because he skipped school. He's in high school, like he's around school skipping age. <laughs> and I just remember she was holding a knife to me. And I'm a child, I can barely even hold this knife in my hands, like she's holding a knife to me. And it's like any other day, my memory just remembers that it wasn't like that odd for her to be doing this, but I felt obviously like so scared. And I think what I was mainly scared about is she would switch and then make my hands hold the knife to her. So it would be like me being scared that like, I'm gonna literally kill her with her own hands She was screaming, kill me, I don't want to be here um, with you. Kill me, because I was, like, such a bad kid. Like, she just wanted to convince me I was a bad kid in the most extreme ways possible. And my brother came downstairs, because he heard, obviously, her screaming and me being, like, terrified. And he came downstairs, and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? She's a child. And his voice rings in my head. So it's the only time that anyone ever stood up for me in front of her because no one really saw it it was like this one-off chance that that happened and i have such a close bond with that brother too like he's a really really special place in my heart but yeah that's like one of the clearest memories i have just because i realized it was off like i realized it was weird so it was a lack of awareness of knowing that it was abuse i didn't even realize it was abuse until yeah. i was maybe like 18 i was like oh shit yeah that was oh <laughs> yeah yeah
1: that's very clear that you were dealing with someone who was very much emotionally unstable mentally unstable and first of all I'm sorry that you had to go through that no child no adult anyone should ever have to live through the experience of that but the reality is that people do every day Mm. right and I think the more that we can educate and get the word out there that one, don't be ashamed if you're going through something mm-hmm. like that. There mm-hmm. are people around the world that deal with mm-hmm. things like this, mm-hmm. but two, also know that it's wrong. Yeah. I know that if you are experiencing mm-hmm. emotional, mental, physical abuse that you do have the strength within mm-hmm. you and support outside of you mm-hmm. to get through that.
0: Mm-hmm. I really love that. You just said that that's really important for people to hear. And I think the biggest reason I'm, finally coming to a point where I do want to share more details about what I've been through is I never saw a point in sharing what I'd been through. I was like, it's just another, you know, story. But lately I've realized humans learn so much by example because it's, you know, it's monkey see, monkey do. Like we actually learn a lot more by observing. We're very like observational creatures. And it's really important for me to show up for my middle school audience or like The people that are, you know, my age, too, or whatever age, just people that are going through something or have been through anything and know that, like, you can still find the happiest version of yourself afterwards. I literally describe the way that I live life, like living life through the lens of pure love. So, like, finding your passion and living your life through your passion and, like, connecting deeply with people and having great friends and like the point that I've come to in my life or after having been through things is that it's possible still to be happy
1: I 100% agree Mm -hmm. and I was going to continue building off of that topic because I had a few more questions but I feel like it's the perfect segue are you okay
0: yes thank you do you want water
1: yes thank you yeah take your time
0: wow that was crazy are we good Yes.
1: You promise? Yes. Okay. So I feel like that's the perfect segue into healing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: There are many people that may have experienced a similar situation as yours Mm -hmm. or it's trauma in a different way, but Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's still trauma. Everyone's healing journey looks different. Mm -hmm. What did the start of your healing journey look like? At what point did you say holy fuck, I need help, mm. I'm at rock bottom, mm. and I need to do something.
0: Mm. I'm really curious about this question for you, too. We should take turns. I'm here <laughs> for you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, well, it was an accident. It was a total accident. I mean, nothing's an accident, whatever, everything happens for a reason. I I believe that, but like, where I was at consciously, in my conscious mind, it was a total accident. I was... 18 or 19, and (laughs) I did acid for the first time, and I didn't even do it for, like, spiritual purposes. I literally did it because, I don't know, I just had been going through so much for so long. It was years and years and years of built-up trauma post-child abuse, and then, like, sexual assault, and then more sexual assault, and then my first breakup, and just everything... I couldn't do it anymore. Like I literally couldn't, human can't handle that all at once feeling all those things and never letting it go. Mm-hmm. There was never any emotional processing. Like
1: there's no release,
0: none, mm-hmm. literally none. Yes, exactly. And so I have all this pent up pain inside my body. And I literally started feeling like suicidal thoughts at 12. And by this time, that's seven years of those thoughts. So I was like, yeah, I'll do acid. I have nothing to lose. Like, I literally don't care. And my friend Edis, who isn't even spiritual, it's like the funniest thing. We're still friends. He's like the one person in Idaho I'll hang out with. We do acid and I I just like have this mind-blowing spiritual awakening on accident where the universe and every single thing I've ever gone through just makes sense. And I'm like, oh, I'm depressed because I haven't released anything it's not like acid healed me or anything, but it showed me how I could heal myself. An awakening. Yes, Mm -hmm. you get me. It was an awakening. It was, it's so laughable to me. because It's just like so silly. That's why my TikTok bio is, um, half Asian, half one of those girls that thinks acids changed their (laughs) life. (laughs) It's true. Like it's literally like, it couldn't be more true. So it's, so funny to me but yeah I mean I wouldn't do it again probably I loved acid for that whole year of my life I did it like every few months um, microdosed it and more of a mushroom girl you know so the first time you did acid you Mm -hmm. had
1: this spiritual awakening yes where shit just started to make sense for you for the first time in your life yeah all of the times that you did acid after that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. were you
0: chasing more clarity? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yes. Wow. Slay to the way you worded that. I was <laughs> like, literally, yes, exactly. Because <laughs> it was so much clarity that it brought me. And then there's only so much that it can do in one sitting too. So I just loved how tapped in I felt. And I didn't know how to reach that state without it, if that made sense. So I got really into meditation, got really into manifestation, like right after and I had just moved to LA a month before I did acid for the first time. So I'm in LA in an apartment by myself cause I don't have any friends here yet. And I'm just up until 6 AM. Cause I mean like TikTok didn't exist back then. Like people didn't talk about spiritual things. I'm on like the fucking deep cuts of the internet looking <laughs> at like what a chakra is, <laughs> like what is this? And so I'm trying to figure out what acid showed me. I'm trying to figure out what it all meant. So I'm doing an endless amount of research on like manifestation on all these things and how it plays into psychedelics and neuroscience. And I find like Joe Rogan's um, course, documentary, I know, God, his <laughs> documentary though on DMT. And so I find out about DMT and I just go down this rabbit hole, obviously, that lasted six years. And I'm here now on like a much more grounded and like how to be a human within <laughs> Uh, just like a human that practices spirituality.
1: You're no longer yeah. chasing
0: for clarity. Yes.
1: You're now doing it in a controlled type of way yes. where before you even do it, you're a balanced person.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And through time and dedication, I've integrated all the knowledge that it gave me. So I want to know more
1: about psychedelic.
0: Oh, yeah, I want to hear about your journey. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I want to hear about your journey. Tell you. Tell me, ask me, whatever you want. So you said briefly to me so we got to it for everyone listening that you had your own spiritual awakening during the pandemic
1: long story short <laughs> I was in a
0: two-year intensive meditation program wow.
1: and I knew I could have went to a psychiatrist gotten medication mm-hmm. but I just knew that I had the power within me to change yeah. so I wanted to give it a shot and I really gave it my all mm. and the effects of meditation don't come immediately
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think when you're totally, it's when
1: you're at rock bottom, you want a quick fix. Yeah. But now, looking back years later, Mm -hmm. it's like, holy fuck. Yeah. I've changed so much and I'm still experiencing the side effects Mm -hmm. of what that practice has taught me. Mm -hmm. But at that point, I was holding on by a thread.
0: Yeah. I love where and how you said you realized you had the power to change within yourself. That's so, first of all, so Aries, like, so Aries, Leo, man, Aries rising, but it's so empowering and so important to remember because when you are in rock bottom or when you feel like that or anyone listening that feels like that, it's so easy to be in a state of like, I just can't do it. And mm-hmm. then it's almost like you hit the point of surrender where you're like, okay, fuck. I think that either you surrender to the universe or you surrender to that thing inside you that really is just the universe or you surrender to like that power that exists within you really deep down after rock bottom. Yeah. And going back to
1: what I mentioned earlier, I don't think everyone has the ability to recognize that Mm -hmm. power within them. Mm -hmm. There are people that will struggle their whole life Mm -hmm. because they can't recognize it. And I don't think it's intentional, but because of that, I feel so thankful Mm. that me, this like one human out of the entire world of existence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. has the soul to recognize these beautiful things of life Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we are only here for a certain amount of time. I always just Mm -hmm. feel so grateful Mm -hmm. for being
0: me. Wait, I loved that. <laughs> that was also so Leo Moon. So grateful for being me. me. But true, truly. Also, that's a beautiful place to be. I feel like everyone should love themselves in that way that much. It's really difficult. Because I mean, I even go back and forth from recognizing, it's almost like the feeling of being a victim to your circumstance, which has become a part of my process in healing is recognizing when I have victim mentality around. I'm trying to explore it without shame but then not get stuck in it. Mm -hmm. So like, if I take a very specific example around like sexual assault or something, and I'm like, oh wow, I was a victim. That's like part of it. And then finding post victim mentality and sitting in the sadness and allowing that sadness to exist without shame. And then realizing, oh wait, I can heal from this. I have so much more in me than being a victim. Like I'm so much more than that. And to find what, You find so easily has actually been super difficult for me. So I really admire that in you. I admire you. I feel like you
1: do a really great job at making really heavy, difficult things make sense.
0: Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Wow.
1: Back to psychedelics. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. So, my good friend Logan in college. I would fucking see this kid. I don't know, like three o'clock in the afternoon, then nine o'clock at night. And he'd be tripping like around, (laughs) around the college campus. And I'm like, are you ever not high? (laughs) Are you ever sober? He's like, no. Logan. (laughs) He would wake up smoke. Okay. In between classes, smoke. Okay. And I'm like, I can't do that. I wish I could sometimes. And then on top of that, Mm -hmm. he would just, he he loves acid
0: Sly logan go off
1: (laughs) he's so fucking cool (laughs) but i was never into drugs Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i don't know why it's not even that i judge someone who does it it's just like Mm. i literally think that if i take it i'm gonna die
0: like yeah no the anxiety around it is what stops me from a lot of drugs yes that's that's the paranoia that i have
1: and i think it's more so based on one time when i was in college okay yes i'm so excited it was a snow day
0: okay <laughs> a cocaine story about a snow day yeah. Like, yeah. no oh, not okay. cocaine it's oh.
1: even more basic marijuana <laughs> <laughs> not
0: marijuana <laughs> fucking loser
1: so it's a snow day <laughs> mm-hmm. campus is shut down okay okay my girlfriend's roommate okay at the time was like i have a brownie I'm like, let's fucking go. As <laughs> if I do this shit all the time. <laughs> like, You're like, oh, finally. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah, you have a brownie? Great. So <laughs> we all, I think, had half. She had a few, I think. Okay, wow. We had half. Okay. Woof. An hour goes by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Feel nothing. Okay. No, I'm like chilling. Right. This shit's not working. <laughs> like, is there weed in here? Like, yeah. It's fake. Okay. I have another half.
0: <laughs> oh, okay this is like such a classic story of like
1: oh i didn't feel it yet yeah
0: yeah
1: <laughs> i'm the textbook <laughs> <laughs> page I've done of was a fucking idiot yeah me yeah. too i've
0: done it many many a time
1: horrible <laughs> so i take another one okay about a half an hour later sitting down having dinner i swear to god i remember it so vividly i look down at my plate and i see like six different plates <laughs> And the only thing (laughs) that comes out of my mouth is, oh, fuck. (laughs) I'm fucked. (laughs) Long story short, Mm -hmm. Iris, I swear to God, I was (laughs) so sick. Oh, no. I was so sick. It was disgusting. (laughs) But on top of that, what was scaring me was Mm -hmm. I'm having an outer body experience. This is no bueno. Like, I need to go lay the fuck down.
0: Yes.
1: So I'm laying down. Every time I close my eyes, though, it was the weirdest thing. Okay. You know like those coloring books? Yes. Okay. It was a coloring book okay. of my life.
0: Are you for real? Wait, I love conscious high experiences. This is like... Well, I thought I was going to die and here you are like Okay, it. yes, yes. I'm <laughs> like, but you're here, but you're here. and We love that for you. No, but this is crazy. I'm so excited. Sorry to interrupt you with no. my excitement. Please continue no. before I so shut my pants. it's
1: a coloring book of my life. Oh my God. Pictures of... Moments and things that I had mm. when I was much younger that mm-hmm. I haven't thought about. Yes. I have not remembered in yes. years, like 15, 20 years. So it's starting at the right side of my face okay, and the coloring book <laughs> is not <laughs> colored in. And as soon as it reaches like the middle of my face, this is again, as my eyes are closed, as soon oh as it man. reaches, it starts to be colored in. Oh my God. And I'm like, this is what happens when people die. This is what happens. Yeah. This is what the universe, this is what God does. As someone's about to die, they show them a history of They're
0: like, in a coloring book. Yeah, like pay by, like, by numbers. Like but it's, it's over. your life. It's
1: yeah. o- I'm done after this. Like I'm done. I'm like, "Should I call the fucking EMT?"
0: "Holy like, shit. Am I yeah, okay?" Yeah, of
1: course. So, after hours. Mm-hmm. I was vomiting after hours of, (laughs) after hours of coloring and (laughs) vomiting, I swear, I don't think I was the same ever since that day. Oh, wow. Okay. Maybe in a better way. Yeah. But like one, I would have never expected that. Right. To unlock this part of my brain that I didn't even know existed. Yes. And the fact that it's still there living, it's crazy. It's like subconscious. Mm Mm-hmm. So because of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anytime someone would like offer, or speak about it, mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't
0: fucking do it. I'm going to die again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i <I'm> literally PTSD <laughs> from, from a brownie. Like, okay, I literally hate <laughs> coloring books. Okay. First, that's so fascinating. I just want to tell a quick story because I think it's really interesting. My friend who I actually have spoken about him before, he and I trip very similarly. So like we have a bond over... The way our consciousness is, it's so strange. Like, we literally experience life in the exact same way consciously. He also loves like mushrooms, acid, loves it in the way that I do, in the way like it's brought us clarity. I think people have their own spiritual awakenings from different sources. Mm-hmm. I've even talked to like my spiritualist, told me like, I have a special connection to psychedelics and they facilitate the awakening in me, and I can help people facilitate like their awakenings with psychedelics. Everyone has their own ways to be in tune with their own soul. Spirituality is really just being in tune with who you really are. But when I smoke weed, like I get actually very spiritual experiences for them. Like I feel like I have a lot of very conscious experiences where I can find different perspectives in a way that like a psychedelic would. But my friend, he had an experience where he got high, insanely high. I think it was often edible too. And he was just extremely high in his room alone and he started remembering like the color of his mom's voice as a baby or like the way it felt when his dad held him as a baby such interesting memories within the subconscious and like little imprints on the soul that are just not accessible to waking day consciousness which is so fascinating to me it's fascinating because I like consciousness but it's also fascinating when you can use that to better yourself I don't know if this is weird, if my neurospiciness is showing, but I used to get high <laughs> during the pandemic. I would just grab my laptop and I have this Google doc and it's called Brain Dump and I've had it for years. So I would do this thing where I'd get really high and I'd write down every single thought that came to my mind so I could analyze it later. And they were really deep, like, profound thoughts about my life. You just have fucking pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Pages. And I'm like, I'm not even going to read that, Iris, are you fucking weirdo. Have you? Um, yeah, I've read a lot of them. They're interesting. Um, I get a lot of realizations from it. It's it's a nice journal experience, mm-hmm. but it's also just, like, really weird. The last time I did it, I was in this loop of having crushes on people I wasn't supposed to. And just, like, lost in that loop. So I started brain dumping about it. And I realized I was just running away from my problems and using crushes as a coping mechanism. Mm. So it's a good way for my soul to observe my ego because I write through my ego. Do you still do that? Yeah, I do. I might be in your next brain dump. Yeah, me and Bianca in the... Have you done ayahuasca? No, I have done DMT. What's the difference? So Wait, wait, are they similar? Yeah, they're the same actually. So um, from what I know, back when I used to research this, so this is like five-year-old, knowledge in my brain so i might not be getting it perfectly accurate but i know that dmt it exists in all living things dimethyltryptamine and when it's ingested by the mouth when it's eaten you don't feel the psychoactive effects because there's an enzyme in our stomach that breaks it down the psychoactive part so there's no psychedelic trip from it you just eat some shit that tastes gross probably and then when you smoke it you get the psychedelic effects you smoke dmt for like 5 to 15 minutes you feel the high for me, it was like three minutes. You felt the high for three minutes? Yeah. That's it. From DMT. Yes. Because it literally takes you somewhere else. There were these little, I guess like they call them machine elves or they call them little beings within your mind that take you to another place. And everyone has a shared experience of like going to this place in your mind. And I didn't go to that place, but I had felt the most amount of peace and groundedness I'd ever felt in my entire life. When did you do this? I did it about a year ago. Okay.
1: That's very telling because mm-hmm. I have watched ayahuasca ceremonies. Yes. And there are people who have different experiences mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And the people who take it before they have become a balanced person. Yes. Have oh, my God, yes, this you're so right. Yes. Crazy trip. Yeah. And, and then like there are off. people that go into it with a different intention. Yes. And it's the other end of the spectrum this
0: is so important to talk about i'm really glad that you brought this up because i forgot when i first got into spirituality and psychedelics i was like 18 19 and i was obsessed with dmt i saw that joe rogan documentary he got me good he had hair in it joe rogan (laughs) had hair in that documentary tbt (laughs) right yeah Yeah. when joe rogan had hair that's (laughs) when i had my spiritual awakening so i see DMT and I'm like fuck yeah I want to do that like that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna fucking have sex with that toad or whatever it's (laughs) called bufo or some shit I don't know but I really wanted to do DMT but I knew I needed to surrender to when it wanted to come into my life that's like such a rule with psychedelics they come into your life you don't seek them they come to you when the time is right I really believe it because it's so important and this is my story on why I believe it's important is um if I had done DMT when I really so desperately wanted to when I was 18 and I didn't have the mindset of trusting the universe that it'd be the right timing I have seen people get so into it before they have found that place in themselves first before Mm -hmm. they have found their center before they have found the groundedness in who they are fall so hard into a deep end of like leaving the country for a year and shaving their head and doing all these things, which is like slay, like do all that. That's fucking sick. Please move out of the country and shave your head if you want to. But (laughs) these are just like physical examples. I'm just explaining like when you do it before you are ready, it's not super conducive. I just have seen people really lose themselves Mm -hmm. because it fully breaks down your ego. But there's important parts of your ego. Part of your ego is literally being Iris or being Bianca or being like the listener listening to Dear Bianca. There are parts of your ego that are important. Like you can't kill it. You have to have some that are safe to have still. So DMT came to me five years later and it was such good timing Mm -hmm. and I didn't fall off the rails and I just became more aligned with myself and peace. It brought me so much inner peace. Literally gave me an awakening to what inner peace was. I like felt the trauma release from my back. It was so crazy. That's the key going back to
1: how I said earlier, like people hit rock bottom yes and they want a quick fix right and there's some people who are like I've heard of ayahuasca or yeah. you know ayahuasca ceremonies or DMT whatever I'm yeah. gonna fucking do this and yeah. hopefully it heals me. yeah no yeah that's going into the practice with the wrong intention yeah. and it's not going to mm. work for you the way that it's supposed to. Mm, so nice. I think if anyone is interested, Make sure you go into an experience like that feeling balanced internally. Yeah. Interesting your intuition
0: because, like, your Mm -hmm. soul will tell you when it's the right decision or whether it's not. So, I've been wanting to do it for a few years now. Mm -hmm. Because, Alaska? Yeah.
1: Slay. Okay, me too. I'm waiting. I want to do a whole ceremony. Like, I want to fly to fucking the middle of. (laughs) Yes, Peru. Perfect. (laughs) We can fly to Peru. Then we'll do a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like on ayahuasca. <laughs> on ayahuasca. <laughs> <That's fucking> disgusting. <laughs> um, yeah, I want the true, authentic right. experience yeah. because it's very special. Mm-hmm. People don't look at that practice as doing drugs. They look right. at it as like a spiritual, beautiful awakening mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. they live for. Mm-hmm. And so I've really been wanting to Specifically, the last few years, it's come to me because mm. I feel so good mm. inside and out. And knowing that I'm in that mental place going into something like that, I feel comfortable with. Wow. Let's find it. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> How did this journey of your healing process mm. lead into your interest in hypnosis?
0: Oh, this is an interesting one hypnosis is interesting I thought it was all bullshit I was like hypnosis is so dumb also with like astrology or like half the things I'm obsessed with and love now with my entire soul I was like initially like wow that is so dumb like and crazy because I was so logic-minded so when I first came and saw hypnosis I saw people doing like you know stage hypnosis or like mm-hmm. the stopwatches and the pendulums and like the way that movies make hypnosis seem and then I learned more about it eventually and. I've always been interested in the brain and meditation. Initially, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a brain surgeon. I'm going to do it. I can do it, you know. (laughs) And then I realized I didn't want to do that. You went to hypnotherapy school. Yes. So I decided to get into hypnosis because I met someone who was going to hypnotherapy school. And that's a long story in and of itself. But I went to hypnotherapy school because it was literally everything that I loved, like all in one. And it kind of just walked into my life. It was very random and it was healing. It was literally a school of like people that all had their own thing. Like one person was an energy healer. One person was a psychologist that has been a psychologist for 50 years but wanted to add hypnotherapy to their practice. Another person was someone who lives in the woods and is so in tune with animals that they wanted to facilitate hypnotherapy with their people that they heal in the woods. And I think I was 19 or 20. It was six months after I moved to LA. I found this and hypnosis is basically just like meditation, but on crack. It's like literally every spiritual practice, like meditation or yoga or sound healing. They all talk about like, okay, taking your brain to beta brainwaves to alpha brainwaves. I'm sure you've heard that term. Oh no. Okay. Mm -hmm. An easy way to describe it is like right now we're talking, we're probably in between beta and alpha brainwaves. Cause like beta is like doing tasks, when you edit this podcast, that'll be like beta brainwaves. Mm-hmm. And then alpha is like you're a little more relaxed within that. And then you're not doing tasks as much. You're kind of observing more. You've taken more the seat of the observer. And, you That's know, a perfect
1: analogy. <laughs> because I really do feel like this is in between beta. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Especially when we take turns talking to because mm-hmm. we're like back and forth. From Sometimes like, I forget we're doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, this mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah. And then theta is like extreme relaxation. I mean, we go in and out of hypnosis every single day, right before you fall asleep, right when you wake up, you know, when you're watching a movie and you forget that you're watching a bunch of electrical impulses inside a big plastic box. Um, That's hypnosis. You literally forget that you're in a room watching this box because your two senses, your audio and visual are both locked in and we experience the world through our five senses mm-hmm. so 2 of 5 taken and then when you're driving home and you almost miss your exit hypnosis is a natural state that we go into every day all the time it's just that through movies and media and the way that it's been portrayed over time is that it's been made so silly and that's what i thought it was i thought it was so silly i didn't even think it was real but there's this really good study from stanford medicine anyone could look up it's just talking about what happens in the brain during hypnosis and talking about how their literal states of your brain like mm-hmm. are being induced through speech it's like a guided meditation so that's what i wanted to do with my life at the time i was like oh this is how i'm going to heal people i'm going to heal people with hypnotherapy so i go through the program and i learned so much they were broken down into different courses. So it would be like six weeks of neuro-linguistic programming or EFT, emotional freedom technique, tapping, if you've ever seen that. Mm -hmm. Or there was even one on like marriage and family counseling and like family matters and how your role in your family affects the way that you are in the world and just so many different healing techniques. It was just a bunch of courses on how to heal people through different mediums right so I got trained in all these different ways and then hypnosis was obviously the main one but then there were also all these other classes on things like that so I learned so much about healing so I could implement that in myself over time obviously it took time like it took like you know five years since then to integrate everything but that's what I wanted to do two weeks after I graduated and finished school the pandemic hit and my clinic closed so like I was seeing people out of this office I'm like this little tiny girl in like a pantsuit like,
1: like <laughs> who l- are you yeah I like
0: <laughs> look like a silly fucking goose and I have this clipboard in my hand it's like this person's trauma like on paper in my hands and like the person at the front desk is like Iris is ready to see you now and then the client comes up they were all younger people but it just felt really like not me it felt like so silly I looked fucking silly. It didn't like, feel natural. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. It just felt like a corporate way of healing. Total. Yeah. I fucking hate corporate. Yeah,
1: yeah right? It just like mm-hmm. felt weird. I want to ask you quickly about mm-hmm. your social media journey. Okay. So you went through this very personal journey of self-healing. At what point did you realize, I want to start taking social
0: media seriously? Mm. Good question. So... I finished school for hypnotherapy. I'd been seeing clients for like six months. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit, so my clinic closed. And when the pandemic hit, I decided to use it for healing, which I think a lot of people did. So when it hit, I deleted my social media for a year. I had a toxic relationship with it. Did you and have like, a following at that point? Not really. I think I okay. had 10,000 on Instagram, but not for spirituality, just because I was, like, posting just pictures of Just because you were cute? Okay. Ooh, thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't even know. I just posted, and that's really all it was. I didn't have a TikTok. I never had a TikTok until I decided to post a year later. So me and my ex both deleted our social medias for a year, and... When I came back, I mean, I had implemented so many healing things and I had enough downtime to realize like, okay, I don't want to be a hypnotherapist, but I do want to heal the world somehow or be like a positive light to the world somehow. And social media has always made sense to me. The algorithm I feel like kind of has always just made sense in my head. I don't know if it's like all my Gemini placements and I'm sure that's going to make a few people listening roll their eyes at (laughs) all the astrology random lingo, but... Gemini's ruled by Mercury and Mercury is ruled rules technology. <laughs> they fast forwarded. Yeah. Like, and people stopped listening. And <laughs> but yeah, I've always just kind of understood social media. It just made sense for me. So I decided to return to social media. When I came back, I had the intention to post. I posted my very first TikTok, and I just knew that I wanted to create a platform. I knew exactly what I wanted the platform to be. The goal was always 1 million followers. It was literally always 1 million, and it was like, I'm going to be a positive influence. I always wanted to show up and help teach the lessons that I had learned. And I just think it's fun. It's just like a fun way. It feels like a lot of my creative energy. And I also knew kind of in the back of my mind that I wanted to pursue music and to build a platform and have so many people that I feel like heart-to-heart connection with already sharing my music will be just more of that it'll just be more of a heart-to-heart connection but now through the medium of music it's very interesting to hear that you
1: kicked off your platform on TikTok Mm -hmm. kind of doing something deeper and more meaningful than Mm -hmm. what people were on the app for originally Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. but you started your TikTok journey very much
0: living to your truth Mm, thank you Yes. Am I wrong? Well, no. Okay. No, 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 you're never wrong, actually. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because my biggest core value is showing up authentically. I just think especially with like a spiritual following, like people can smell bullshit and I don't want to show up as bullshit. Like I do my best. I mean, I think there's no way of being 100% authentic when you know you're being perceived in some way, but I do my best because I know that that gives people permission to do the same for themselves. And that's really important for me because... I am inspired by my own people that I feel like show up in their own way. And so, I don't know. I think that's really important. But the authenticity and truth is like really important to my values. And I knew that I didn't feel aligned when I posted anything that didn't feel authentic. And I think in the beginning when I was more concerned about views, because I was growing, I didn't really understand how to show up authentically yet because I hadn't found my own way of creating on the platform yet like it's very much a relationship i've built with tiktok because my tiktoks are different than like an instagram post or if i create a song like they're all me but through different mediums Mm -hmm. and tiktok was something that i had to find my footing in and i think everyone that creates like has to find their footing in becoming the creator that they want to be
1: I want to touch on your music journey. I know it's a newer part of your journey. Mm -hmm. So can you just fill me in on what life
0: is like for you right now? Tell me
1: why you love music.
0: Okay, it's interesting because this answer has never been more clear Mm. because I literally just did a giant mushroom trip Last weekend, of course. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, wow, crazy of me to do mushrooms. It's so like typical for Iris. <laughs> Would like I've never thought of anything else. <laughs> mushrooms like literally have become my brand. I'm like Iris, like come on. Um Well, I mean, I hadn't done like, a big mushroom trip since October. I try to space them out by six months so I don't like fall off the rails, you know, I'm gonna, you know, be a human still. <laughs> so I space them out minimum i'll do them within a range of six months so it just felt right i don't know how you feel about like oracle or tarot but i pulled this oracle card no clue what the fuck that means Whee! okay i actually brought some for us to do later
1: what are we doing
0: We hang out and do pull cards great <laughs> okay i pulled this oracle card it's basically like i don't even know how to describe it i'm pretty new to that world i don't want to talk about something I'm you're not trying
1: like, to educate me and you don't even know what yeah the fuck you're talking i'm like about. Okay, uh, good. It good, it good i'm, I'm happy we're doing it later make happy make happy
0: <laughs> <No clue>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah perfect <laughs> nah. um well i pulled this card i'm just gonna leave it at this i pulled this card and it was like be ready to take a journey and then there were mushrooms on the card and the card wasn't even talking about a mushroom trip but i just like knew that mushrooms were like it's time and i was like oh shit okay it's time girl mushrooms so I did did this giant trip because I'm going through such a huge transition in my life right now and I just got to explore my relationship with music and why it's so fucking meaningful to me and how I just want to bring that to other people music is such a beautiful shared experience in my opinion the most spiritual thing that we have tangible access to in this physical realm like the physical dimension of earth music isn't even physical unless you like make it into a vinyl record or like unless you make it into a CD, but it's literally only through sound waves, which I think is so fucking cool. And what it has done for me through creating music and then through consuming music is so fucking transformative. It just resonates so deeply into my soul. And there's a reason why so many people on this planet love music. It's so special. I agree. Not to cut you off, Mm -hmm. but I always
1: felt like whenever I am in front of someone performing, Mm. piano, guitar, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, singing, mm
0: -hmm.
1: I feel like I'm taken to another world. Yes. That I feel so connected to this person. They have no idea who the fuck I am. Yes. But anytime I see someone performing, you can tell that they are doing that because they love to. It's their passion, and I think it's beautiful. And that's,
0: like, the energy they share. Exactly. You get it.
1: Yes, the energy I feel.
0: Yes, that's literally it, and... Something I want to do with my music is, like, for example, I have this song. Wow, this, I guess I mean I didn't plan on like saying anything about this, but I have this song called "Pure Love." You know, that's like my whole thing, <laughs> like more than mushrooms even. Pure love is that like I choose to live life through the lens of pure love because when I was living through fear, like my life was horrible. It was I was so bitter and I was cranky and everything would go wrong. And pure love is like after so many years of healing, I have come to this place and. I wrote this song and it's nothing crazy but it's like about the way that I choose to live life now it's a cheesy little song it's not really similar to any of my other songs but I was in the most pure loving energy I had a really bonding moment with my cat that morning (laughs) but like the love between you and your pets are so pure Mm -hmm. and I was just basking in gratitude all day of my friendships and the love I have in my life not romantic but just like love in general. And I was just so fucking happy. I was so aligned that day. And I wrote this song. I had to write it for like an assignment in school. And I write from the present moment. I never write a song that's for another person. I can only write from my current emotions. Mm -hmm. Like that's how I create is from Mm -hmm. where I'm at currently or else it feels inauthentic. Mm -hmm. So that day I felt so fucking happy. And I wrote this song called Pure Love. And it's like a silly goose sounding song. When I made that song, And when I play it in my car, I like play my own music all the time because the intention of it is to literally be in the frequency of pure love and to take a person to that energy and that frame of mind and seeing life in that way and existing in the world that way. Literally that day, I got so much shit for free. It was crazy, <laughs> it was crazy. I literally was like, I walked into Erewhon. <laughs> wow, that was Air the most, And el- like, I walked into Erewhon <laughs> and like literally got this fucking smoothie for five million dollars. No, but I walked into Erewhon and turning heads is like a thing, I guess, but it didn't feel like people were sexualizing me. It felt like people were literally turning their heads because my energy was so pure. Mm, I love that. You know that feeling yeah, when you're like you're having a good friend, everyone's just staring at you. Yep. They're like, why is that person so happy and smiling? People are like, drawn to you. Yes. And yeah. I felt so good. I love to exist in that state of being. Same. Like I can't stand being around people that like complain all the time or find something negative negative in everything because that's your reality. And so I love living from that frame, like that lens of pure love. Are you saying that your song is
1: almost a manifestation for people? You're so good.
0: Yes. You're really good at like crystallizing my thoughts. First of all, I think we just understand each yeah, other. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's crazy. I have played it for my friends. It doesn't align with like my artistry is doesn't align with any other branding. It just is such a pure song that I'm going to release it at some point, maybe not even on Spotify, but maybe just like, for the world to just have, because it's such an energy of pure love that when I play it or when my friends play it, it just brings you right into that state. And that's what I want to do with my music, is basically what I do with guided meditations. But now, through music, is taking people to these states and they're not always positive. Like, I have my sad songs, and I think my gift is, yes, being very emotional and being deeply sensitive, but I think a big gift is being able to process those emotions in addition to being deeply emotional and having gone through a lot. So helping the world process their emotions too through my sadder songs. I have this queer song coming out, too, eventually, that is about the classic bi relationship where it's a friendship, but you don't realize that you're fucking gay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're just gay. You're like, wow, we're so much closer than everyone. You're, like, literally fingering each other. You're like, I don't know why we're so much closer. (laughs) Kat,
1: I think that's gonna be the tagline for this episode.
0: We're so close, we're just fingering each other. I don't know why we're such close friends. Like, I just don't get it. Like, fingers up my vagina. No,
1: it's true. It's like you... uh, don't conceptualize or understand what something is yeah in the beginning because you kind of go into everything naturally and then it develops into something more yeah
0: and then you understand the way that society sees it and you're like Mm -hmm. oh wait okay so these are the labels that's being bi or being pan or and like understanding it through that lens but the song is about having a friend that we're, we're so close and that was my first love was this girl that I was so, I'm still, I still like have dreams about her. It's crazy, but I could care less about my quote unquote first love. That was my high school boyfriend. But like the person I was actually in love with was my best friend who I still think about and like have dreams about. But um, does she know that? No, we haven't talked in five years. She will now. I don't think she'll hear this. I think we're very separate. We're very cut off from each other's lives. But are you sad about that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely like what's best, but um, I'll always love her. so there's that but that song is helping people process because it helped me process the process of creating that song helped me process a current friendship i was having issues with that reminded me of the other friendship and then it made me realize like oh these aren't even friendships these are queer dynamics that happen to like a lot of queer people and it helped me process so i don't know just help other people process through my experiences too dating yes are you dating um I'm happily in love with myself right now. I love that. So you're single? I am, but closed single, if that makes sense. Something I haven't quite defined out loud, actually, so this is nice. This is a nice little processing moment for me. Um, I have been a serial monogamist forever. Since I had my first person, I mean, the girl I fell in love with, we started being best friends and, like, sleeping in each other's bed every single night, like, sleepovers every night from, like, 12 Or I had friendships where I was so dependent. I've always had a person, you know, whether it was a relationship, relationship. But I've always just been interested in a person and giving all my energy to a person. Mm -hmm. I had never until recently decided to give all that energy to myself. I think really that comes from the trauma of emotionally unavailable parents. Because your parents, the paternal and the maternal, teach you how to treat yourself Your same sex parent teaches you how to treat yourself and then your other teaches you how to be loved and how to love. And because they were both emotionally unavailable, I became emotionally unavailable to myself. So me being emotionally unavailable to myself meant projecting every single thing that I needed onto my people. And I would always find these people that needed healing in some way, like, always have soft spots for these people that were going through something or needed and, and we're like trying a, to fix yes when mm-hmm. my soul was screaming at me for attention like my soul was like hey dude what about me my inner child was like hey <laughs> what about me mm-hmm. so finally i've been giving myself that energy going back to logan yes <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I need to call him after back this. in logan
1: i fucking love logan <laughs> um I was having this conversation with him a few months ago. We were roaming the streets of New York City one night. I don't know why. He's a roamer. We love that about him. What the fuck we were doing. (laughs) And he was telling me about his new sexual identification. Oh, fun. Okay. Solo poly. Oh, okay. So I was like, what the fuck does this mean, Logan? Yes. Like, I've never heard of this one before. (laughs) So he's like, neither did I. But he basically said that his good friend, was intaking what he was projecting oh. and said, you identify a solo poly. I oh. think you're solo poly. And he's like, what's that? And she told him and he's like, that's what the fuck I am. Okay. So basically his experience was every time he was in a relationship, he always felt like he gave all of his energy to the other person. Mm. He always felt like in his relationships, he was never the best version of himself. Oh. You're like, yo, I'm like, this well, might be me. Keep going. <laughs> Every yeah. time I tell someone this, you're like, I'm Ooh. solo poly. <laughs> <laughs> so he said that go forward. What he has decided is he is no longer going to be committed to any one person. Ooh. Instead, he... Mm-hmm is open to connecting with whomever, however.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's
1: like, I am going to put all of the energy and love into myself. Mm -hmm. I'm loving myself. Mm. And if and when I come across someone and connect with them in that way, whether it be emotional, mental, or physical, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But he's committed to himself because he recognized that out of his whole life thus far, giving himself to someone else doesn't allow him to be the best version of himself.
0: Mm. Yes, so. Logan. I'm such a chameleon within the way I choose to love. Like I'll develop their habits and like we become one, but it's not great when you haven't had enough time to develop who you are. So I've been really really ever since I had that like big breakup, I've been really on this journey of finding myself without the influence of a person I'm in love with, which is so important. In this phase of my life. I've dated a lot since that big breakup and I've tried a polyamorous relationship. It was good actually. It was good. And then I a guy and a girl. Um no, it was me and one person were polyamorous. Does that make sense? You or is that or non monogamous?
1: What's the word? Ethical non monogamy. Ethical non monogamy. Meaning so what that means is you were in a relationship with someone else. Yeah. But you had an understanding that you were able to connect with someone else. Yes. Other people. Exactly.
0: But it was never fully a relationship. Like, they wanted to put the label of relationship on it. And I was like, I'm just like, I don't want to do that. You're not there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, especially when, like, last time I did that, went so fucking horribly wrong. I'm like, I've got a lot of fears to conquer with committing again. But I think to my core, I'm like a, a monogamous person. I was seeing this person in October and I did a mushroom trip and I was like, you know what? I think I'm happy right now because we're getting our needs met by each other but then also other people Mm. but i don't think my happiest version of myself would be getting their needs met completely by like a bunch of different people i think i would just rather have a partner vibe and then my close friendships and that's ideal for me what's your type (laughs) (laughs) um i have a soft spot for people that are really kind and people that are really funny so like kindness and humor really get me so someone with like a big open heart and someone that can make me laugh because I love laughing. It's like such You a have a good laugh. Thank you. You oh think so? Yeah, You it's do great. too. Laughing. With I feel son. like I don't, but I love yours. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like I look giggles. You see.
1: <laughs> Stop laughing because I'm just gonna keep <laughs> laughing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you hate us, okay? <laughs> um yeah, I think kindness and humor and then i don't have any specific physical characteristics Mm -hmm. i really like when someone has like an energy about them that is i don't know like it's energy yeah like they have their own swag they Mm -hmm. have their own style they have their own thing Mm -hmm. and they're so themselves in Mm -hmm. that right so like that could look like anything anything yeah yeah what about you i say the same okay um this is like the queer ultimate right now (laughs) (laughs)
1: literally
0: we should have our own fucking netflix show right now
1: (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, for me, I think as I got older and as I went through my healing journey and identified what is important to me Mm -hmm. in another person, especially like at this point in my life, just even sexually, Mm -hmm. right? Like if it's like a Mm one-time thing, I still need to feel connected to them energetically. Mm -hmm. Gone are the days of me going out, Mm -hmm. being solely physically attracted to someone and being like down yeah like, me too i'm not down yeah. anymore it's like soul I,
0: crushing when you're aware of the way that you bond to a person personally
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so for me it's just about energy and i think it makes the sex so much better too mm-hmm.
0: oh yeah i completely agree i'm gonna throw another word in is that called demisexual where you like have to be emotionally attached first there are so many i know i don't know things things any of there. the words me either i just knew that one how do like, you identify now Pan or by. Literally whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Queer. I on this podcast myself, people are like, Oh, what are you? And I Yeah. I'm like, I'm gay. Well, yeah. <laughs> I feel like naturally I gravitate towards women yeah, more than okay. men. Okay. I'm not a man hater by any means. Yes. Yeah. But naturally when I look back at the course yeah. of my life and my journey. The energy towards women has always yeah. been so much more significant, mm, okay. and I think it's based on being able to connect with them in a different yeah. way mm-hmm. than I could ever with a man. And not yeah. saying that there's no man that's deep and that I would you're be like able this. to connect. Your faces like
0: this while you're talking about men. <laughs> you're like <laughs> you. Yeah. You're like, Now that there's oh, no fuck. man out there. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> well, I've
1: tried. Even when yeah. I was single, I tried to really force myself. Not I don't say force myself, but I give it a shot. Yeah. With like. A man that I found very handsome, mm-hmm. great looking, a good person. Mm-hmm. When it came down to like being mm-hmm. intimate, mm-hmm. I just, I, yeah. I was not as present as I was mm. with any woman that I've ever been mm-hmm. with.
0: Wait, presence is actually a huge thing mm-hmm. that I've really been exploring with hooking up with women versus men. Just like presence. That's like literally a conversation I had on mushrooms like a week ago where I was like... <laughs> I'm like sex with women is so different because you're so present like in your body you're so much safer Mm -hmm. the intimacy and the sensuality is so different Mm -hmm. and especially when there's like the energetic connection it's literally presence it's crazy yeah because like lack of safety for me personally so obviously whoever hears this like has their own experience but just mine is like literally presence like you nailed it when you said that
1: I also know people who are in relationships like some of my friends with men not going to name any names Mm -hmm. but like some of my friends who have sex with their boyfriends husbands a few times a week and they never
0: orgasm oh yeah i've had like one experience with a man but they were bi so that's different yeah right they're completely man is open yeah yeah emotionally yes it's like very very interesting I've actually never been with a guy who isn't bi. Really? Yeah. The people that I've been with, I've never really hooked up with anyone that I wasn't literally in love with. Like, Mm. that's like my rules. Like, I want to be in love and I want to be so safe because especially from all the sexual trauma I've been through, like, it's not worth it. Yeah. And being that deeply connected to a person, I feel like you can know. But I really am interested in people that are open sexually. Yeah. And open sexually in my way personally, where it's like sex is an energy exchange and it's touching souls. It's like the most intimate thing you Mm -hmm. could do with a person. So it's not something I can experience literally fuck. Yeah. To everyone who can separate those things. Right. I just personally don't have the capacity, but I love it for my friends that can. I'm like, yeah, slay. I live vicariously through you, but personally, I just can't. I really admire this podcast because Mm -hmm. I told you this on the phone, but I'm just going to gas you up to the listeners do that to me <laughs> When I was younger, I didn't know what bisexual even meant, and being older, I found the language and I found a lot of comfortability through labels or just exploring freely without shame eventually. but if a podcast like this existed when I was 15 or when I was 12 and falling in love with this person for the first time from like 12 to 19 and just thinking it was really close friendship if I had this podcast so much would be different for the pain that I went through and what you're choosing to do for the world is so special
1: thank you Mm -hmm. it means a lot
0: it keeps me going yeah
1: knowing like hearing you say that and knowing people who reach out to me through Mm. DM or email or whatnot, Mm -hmm. and they are just so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's enough representation Mm -hmm. these days. So I'm Mm -hmm. really happy to be a part of the uptrend Mm. of normalizing conversations Mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So thank you. Happy Pride happy pride we didn't even say that i know we forgot. we're both in la didn't go to the parade today I know.
0: <laughs> but we're we watched queer old hiding all time. in a
1: hotel room
0: <laughs> yeah. happy, pride. happy like pride the curtains are closed <laughs>
1: it's like a dark cave in here like yeah, happy we're pride in black <laughs> yeah, I know, for real. <laughs> everyone's in rainbow outside the <laughs> <Yeah>. door <laughs> hey we're we're
0: gay in a hotel it's yeah. fine yeah. <laughs> we're queer
1: here <laughs> i'm just really happy that i met you and mm. for giving me the opportunity to get to know you more on this platform and also giving my listeners um, a deeper insight into you. So
0: I'm honored to be here. Appreciate you. Thank All right, you. let's go do something. Yeah. <laughs> let's get the fuck off mushrooms. of this couch.
1: <laughs> I might not make my flight tomorrow. <laughs> that was cute.